Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Black Wall Street is now online, baby. That's right. Visit the GW District. Shop the very best in men's and women's apparel and accessories, home decor, office supplies, books, pantry items, and so much more. The GW District is a retail marketplace of black-owned products and media. We're both veteran and black-owned, and we're bringing you the best online shopping experience with products made by small businesses. Come and experience the GW District difference today at shopgwdistrict.com. That's shopgwdistrict.com. The GW District, a retail marketplace of black-owned products and media. That's right. That's right. Hey, how are you doing tonight? Uh, I am. I am very tired. It was a. It was a very busy, very very busy weekend of uh, of shooting. Oh and, my god! And not and not a lot of chance for sleep. Um, <laughs> well, Which, sorry. Go ahead. No, we're gonna get to that. But of course, I gotta do the intro. Of course, yes, yes. we're gonna do a little different this week. Hello, everybody. I am Kevin Oliver, Silver Champ, and this is Billy. Pilgrim, and this is wrestling. Pilgrim, excuse me, Pilgrim on wrestling, where I give you the new school, and he gives you an education on the old school. That's right, two porn stars that watch wrestling and got a lot of opinions about it. So, with no further ado, let me introduce the host, Billy Pilgrim. Oh, I was going to go make a sandwich because usually you got some wind and, you know, when you knock out that pilgrim, I was going to make a sandwich and start my Christmas card list. You, 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 I pulled a hammy racing back to the chair. That's not cool, man. That's not cool. Um, there, hello, everybody, and thank you again for tuning in for another uh, episode of uh, Pilgrim on Wrestling. We, we appreciate you and, you know, thank you for for helping to continue to make this thing happen. Oh, yes, most definitely, most definitely. And, of course, we are sponsored by ExciteMoney.com, AriceismMagazine.com, as well as um, LSWorld.com, because, yeah, they they put us out there and promote us and promote the Smokers Lounge, you know, period. And this is a part of the smoking is the STO, the Smokers Lounge. So this is part of our little network that we got going on. And um, so, my friend, you were saying you had some shoots. So who was you working with this week? Uh, a new uh, BBW, this beautiful ebony uh, BBW named Plus Size Princess. Uh, she's mm-hmm. gorgeous. She's fresh-faced. She's new. And uh, I had the honor of being her first boy-girl you know, kind of hardcore scenes. And, oh, uh, so you broke the porn cherry. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Actually, even though, even though technically, so that's twice this month, even though technically Abby Rhodes did some stuff before we hooked up, she mm-hmm. uh, paid me a huge honor because she is such a great talent. And there's going to be, I mean, I think she's going to be so big that I'm going to get 
raised up a level because I worked with her uh, mm-hmm. now, but she considered our our shoot uh, two weeks ago like her first official boy girl. And mm-hmm. uh, one one thing I want to maybe do later this year when things are a little bit more consistent uh, is do like an amateur first time series. I, I've worked with a lot of first timers and I'm really good at working with like somebody for the first time. Mm-hmm. But uh, she she's great. I told her about you. I told her, you know, like, um, yeah, she should do the do your other podcast where you interview people. Mm-hmm. And uh, it, it became it was an exhausting weekend because I thought when she came here that she was going to be working with some other people as well, because, you know, uh, when people come to Atlanta, you mm-hmm. know, what, and, you know, they work with you know, to try to set up a bunch of shoots, even when they should be doing it. And mm-hmm. I found out that uh she came down just for me so we shot all day from like 11 uh from like 11 to like i don't know eight o'clock eight thirty at mm-hmm. night and then mm-hmm. then i left and went home and then uh basically got up at seven thirty, and uh, <laughs> i got there at nine uh uh so we can shoot two more scenes before she had to check out Mm-hmm. So, you know, we we literally, you know, we filmed like a ridiculous amount of stuff. Like we like like I want to say about five scenes worth of stuff. And because uh, I felt weirdly, I was like, oh, I had no idea that you came down just for me. I'm not used to, you know, talent going, you know, like mm-hmm. she was kind of over the moon about me. So I'm, I'm not used to that level of praise. So it's like, well, I got to make it. You know, you, you drove from North Carolina and yeah. you got a really nice hotel room. And, you know, and so on. And uh, so, yeah, we got a lot of stuff done, I think. Uh, but see, that's how I used to do it, actually. Um, had the girls actually. To me, you get more out of the girls if it's one-on-one and they come for a weekend. Because then you can really play around with the shoots more so than they're there shooting with multiple people. Because then now you kind of in a time crunch almost. Yeah, exactly. And I... That's how I finally got my foot in the door is I started making my own content and they just put it out there, let the thing build and then slowly but surely. Um, and what I was thinking about doing, and I have a female producer, Carrie from Salacious uh, Perceptions. So if I was going to bring in a camera person, I'd probably bring in Carrie to because she's a female mm-hmm. producer. But what I'm thinking about doing, because uh, Abby and, and Princess kind of, you know, kind of brought that interest back. Cause I kind of get a real joy out of making it like, you know, kind of giving porn that, you know, it's your first experience with porn is fun and it's easy. Well, not easy, but fun and, and actually something I enjoy. And it's a good experience because you, that, that sticks with you, you know, your first experience. So I was thinking about doing, like you said, one-on-one and uh, you know, kind of maybe, like I said, it, by the summer doing a new like a going back to working with uh, first timers as a series and doing one just gonzo a like um because right now my method is we just do a how, get to know you fuck scene and then we do something with a plot which is i which is what i like to do and then by the time we get to the plot they're more they're like ready to do it and they're all in and they're excited to do it so i was thinking mm-hmm. you know book a girl shoot shoot two scenes and just release them you know alternately mm-hmm. and yeah. uh you know because again it's you know it's 
because lately I've been seeing online like girls talking about like they don't enjoy doing it or that they're asexual or, you know, they want to leave, but something happened and they can't and everything. And, and my, my attitude is if you don't like doing sex work of any kind, you need to stop. I, I mean, I get you'd probably need money or it's, or the money is a little too easy. You don't want to go back to a nine to five. But the thing yeah. is, which, especially in the current political and social environment, you, if you really don't like it or you're not getting anything out of it other than a paycheck, you need to stop now uh, because what's going to happen is the more you do it and the more bullshit you deal with, because as much as I love porn, there's a lot of bullshit you got to do to get to the fun part. When you leave the industry, you're going to shit talk it and you're going to trash it and you're going to make it look bad and you're going to be like, well, you know, this. And it's like, no, you never liked it. And you just kept doing it and you were making yourself miserable. It's not the industry's fault that you didn't mix with it. Yeah. So. Because I mean, because even with me, that's that was the old way of doing it. You brought the girl there for a weekend and you shot a lot with her. Like with, with me, girls usually leave with like 12 scenes over a three-day weekend. And and after a while, one, it gives them a lot of content that they can work with. And plus, that's what girls want. And plus, also, you can put more attention to them. And like I said, it, like I was able to do different type scenes from BDSM to role play, what have you. Because it's like I never would have done, if I came up in this day and age, I probably still wouldn't have done the content house. Because my thing is, I'm not going to get everything I want to get done. I'd rather just I go see the girl for a weekend. I'd be like, look, me and you for the weekend. Because one, I wanted the the more chemistry that you build by shooting with her, the better the scenes is going to be. Each one going to be versus I'm jumping around shoot with this girl. I'm shooting with that girl and that girl. You know what I'm saying? It's a one shot yeah. deal. So that first scene might be good, but it, by that second or third scene, that shit fire because yeah. now y'all kind of got a, you know what I'm saying? Uh, y'all done broke the ice and got know each other and develop chemistry. Yeah. Um, and the thing is, too, uh, you know, again, the more comfortable the girl is, because, again, having sex on camera is different than um, having sex regularly. And, you know, you, you I've gotten I've, I'm I'm happy with myself that I got much more efficient and better with the camera to kind of get the scene rolling and get all the stuff that we need done. And when you know what you're doing and you're like, OK, this is what we're going to do. And this and that and the other thing, it helps. It puts confidence in them. And, and, and again, this is not an ego thing, but it is true. Uh, if you work in the industry and you, 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 I'm sure run into this as I have, you are above the average. So, and, and you're doing positions and you're, and you're, you know, you're, you're getting into it. So like girls that aren't porn trained or porn ready get worn out fairly easily. So, you know, uh, depending on the girl, if they know they're going to do two scenes, you usually try to do the first one, kind of keep it a little light and fun. And then if you're going to get more physical, you save it for the, the second scene. Cause you know, women do get sore as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I, I lucked out with, with Abby and with uh, princess, they were both naturals and they were game. Like I, you know, uh, I probably would have shot at least one more scene with Abby, but she had to hit the road. She had a long drive ahead of her. Um, but you know, they're, they're, natural their future stars a girl that may want to knock it off her bucket list or just do it once and make some extra money you know you got to make the environment as positive and as comfortable as possible plus again we are bigger than the average dudes it's if they're not used to it 
you know, it, it can, mm-hmm. you, you have to have the brains in your head to take it easy on her. Yeah. Uh, because, and it's not because we're just so massive and, and our dicks are so great. It's because you're doing a bunch of different positions from different angles and mm-hmm. if you're by yourself and then, you know, and you're, you know, kind of doing things differently than you would in that you know, you're going deeper or, you know, you're putting her in a slightly uncomfortable position for a few than you would in regular sex. Mm-hmm. So it kind of, it does, it wears out everybody, you know? And uh, so you got to be conscious of that. Yeah, most definitely. Most definitely. So shit. Well, I'm glad that you had two great, wonderful shoots. Now let's get well, to actually, what I had three. Go- I got to work on oh, Havoc this month. So it's a rare treat that I've had this many shoots in state. Cause normally, because <laughs> normally Atlanta's a black hole of nothingness. Yeah. Yeah. Because I mean, uh, yeah, because it's kind of crazy that even though a lot of people come there and there's a lot of sound that's there, is that because you're a white man? <laughs> it's like they're scared to shoot with you. <laughs> well, I don't know why, because I prefer black women, but also there's nothing about me that when I come off, like usually I'll ask to DM somebody mm-hmm. and then I'll, you know, whatever. I, I think part of it is, I think it's a clout thing. I think it's a, mm-hmm. I don't have. I'm legitimate and my name is growing, but I don't have clout yet. I don't have a buzz. I don't have cachet or they, you know, they have a certain image in their head of what the male talent is supposed to be. And that's all they want to do until, until I hit a certain level, you know, and then all of a sudden I become acceptable to shoot with, which I get it. Part of it's business, but you know, but see, but see, but see us being male talent, we can only work with what's given to us versus women got more of a, Pick of the litter per se. You feel yeah. what I'm saying? Because it's like even with me, I always used to get skinny girls like, "You sure you want to work with me?" Because it seems like all you work with is BBWs, and I'm like, "Well, they the ones that want to do content trade." <laughs> well, and I get that. I get that in the sense of uh, like it was fun to work with Abby because she was a different type, and and there's another talent locally that I'm trying to. Uh, hook up with and she's also kind of a little small I mean I, I like all body types and mm-hmm. you know I, and I want it but again it comes down to who's want, like I don't work with a lot of five foot uh, five or five foot two uh, 90 pound teen girls or like or supposedly teen girls because they go straight to the studio system mm-hmm. and uh, you know and uh, that's you know, and then that's, and then, you know, whatever. It, but I mean, I, it's, I kind of gotten over it now because I got mm-hmm. like March and April are going to be so busy. And then May is starting to kind of get busy. Uh, my thing is, it's like, all right, fine. Then if people don't want to hook up with me or bother with me when they're in Atlanta. I don't care. Uh, but, um, you know, I, uh, I just lost my train of thought. I'm so tired. No, it just, <laughs> oh, I, I, I kind of found it. I was kind of, there was two things that happened. I, I was kind of a little bit insulted. There was like a, a meet and greet thing a couple of months ago. And it was like supposedly mm-hmm. all the Atlanta talent. And I wasn't even like vaguely invited. And, and like half and like half the people at the party followed me. And then the <laughs> other and then and then the other thing was I see guys and this is not the guy's fault, but they mm-hmm. come into Atlanta and they'll get more work in Atlanta than I get in like a year of living here in just two days. Mm-hmm. And, and it's, you know, and again, you get those excuses of like, Oh, I'm going here, I'm doing this or whatever. So it's, it's a little insulting uh, because you work hard to do things the mm-hmm. right way and be legitimate. 
and here you are and it's just like it's and it's down to like high school shit or whatever but that's when i kind of had to sit myself down and it was like look you can't get annoyed every time you see something like this on twitter or whatever you need to get over it you need to fucking stop caring I mean, trust me it's do i it, stop caring I, I i'm just gonna tell you this now full disclosure yeah, it used to hurt the fuck out of me that I got looked over during my time of being male talent. And the reason why, because I sat there and listened to the girls talk about the male talents that they were with many male talents, how they shoot, what have you. And hear how these guys can't keep it hard, they can't pop. And these were sometimes big name dudes. These were some of the dudes that girls go nuts over, go shoot with. And Plus, girls travel through North Carolina. You feel what I'm saying? Yeah. So it, it used to irk the fuck out of me that I know that I am that good of a fucking male talent that, yeah, I can give you six scenes in a day. I can do the role play. Any any role you want, I can give it to you. I can. I was better than probably the best male talent of that day, but I never got the opportunity because I wasn't within the clique doing air quotes people I wasn't within the clique or I wasn't the popular male talent that all the girls were screaming over and was fucking off camera so what you have to understand is that when it comes to this business once you gain the cachet you'll be able to get the girls that you necessarily want because then you're the hot guy you know period but you're not in the clique you feel what I'm saying and yeah, I, yeah. Click of white male talents. <laughs> I actually don't. It, it's really the black male talents that click up. And two, you're not that male talent that all the girls are sitting here tweeting, telling them, oh, Billy, I can't wait to feel your dick down my throat. Because you work with professional chicks that are not in it for some fucking dick. Yeah, no, I mean, again, and also this, this month did a lot to kind of reestablish so you know confidence because sometimes you hit a rough patch you still believe in yourself but you're not but you don't feel it and uh like i said i ha i bring a lot to the table so i have like you know uh and only because uh only because i saw i i'm i'm doing an event with him soon and i saw and i saw a picture of him right before we started the podcast but puerto rico puerto rico rock um gorgeous dude and you know whatever uh the women go gaga over him and he's obviously a high level, very good talent. It works with a lot of different people. Uh, and I don't have that kind of cachet where you put, I mean, to be honest with you, if I didn't, I might ask him, like, do you mind if I put, mm -hmm. make you my profile picture, to, you know, cause like, he's like that good looking. It's like, yeah, you could be my profile picture. Maybe you'll help me get more work. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, I bring, you know, you, I'm, you, I'm fun to work with. Um, you know, I, I, I get, compliments and everything i just had to kind of like look you're getting hung up on dumb shit and <laughs> luckily luckily uh i called myself and they're between march or march april and may or like march and april are going to be really busy but mm -hmm. may is getting busy as well so and also yeah, like and I said, I scenes in a day i i think mm -hmm. of ideas i come with props i have you know and 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 everything else so it's like people that want to catch on catch on and if they don't, it's not a big deal. But I, I just you know, there there are moments where it's like, uh, okay, sure, do do you do you? That's that's just you know, Ugh. yeah. See, it's the headaches. 
of porn. So that's why we do what we do with this podcast. With that being said, now we need to move into the pro wrestling smoke ep- part of the part of this episode. So I further ado, we about to turn it over to the great, great legendary Gordon Soley for the Gordon Soley Poetry Corner. Welcome, friends, to another edition of Gordon Soley's Poetry Corner. Thank you for taking a break from the battles of the pro wrestling mats to enjoy some prose of poetry with me, Gordon Soley. And here's one I, I wrote uh, once on a cabana vacation with, with Charles and Heston. Narrow Road... To preach to me of fire and brimstone, to tell me of hell and damnation, show me the narrow, unpaved road to heaven. Lead me away, cards and lucky seven. Cure me of drink and women, but not too much. Uh, improve my posture and stop my smoke. Give me Graham on Sunday. Tith my money and leave me broke. My only comment will be, well, well, let's all go. And I want to thank you for, for joining me in my little corner of the wrestling world. And as always, be kind to each other and have a, have a strong one on me. Have it on. And welcome back to Pro Wrestling Smoke, where we give you that smoke, where we we give you some old school love and some new school takes. You get what I'm saying? So, um, shoot, I know this week I've been in and out with the wrestling, so <laughs> but so much, but some of the stuff that I was able to catch, what have you, and. First things first, I got to say, we, we got to talk about it. Who had the better heel promo, MJF or Roman Reigns? Uh, I did not, unfortunately, see the Roman Reigns promo. But honestly, no offense to Roman, who, who I should talk for years and never thought he was worth two nickels. Uh, cuts a great promo. But MJF right now is by far and away the best heel in the ring and the best heel promo. And the guy, the guy just, like, the uh, what is it, like a week ago, he just came out, pouted, and then walked away. He got more heat by not saying anything than and most wrestlers get, you know. So it's, you know, it's it's a, you know, I, I, I would have to give it to MJF. Uh, like, a, you know, I kind of, like you, like you, I was kind of in and out, and um, I'm still kind of, Try to build up my stomach to watch the, the WWE product. I gotta, I have to put it on my YouTube, my live YouTube, to DVR it so I can just fast forward to the Roman parts. Mm-hmm. Yeah, cause it Roman's it, promo was tight. Cause I like, <laughs> I just like the way he was just smug about it. But MJF, it's like he really. It was just amazing how he was able to garner sympathy, even if just for a second. It was just like 
he gave you an origin story. <laughs> it, and I've never heard that in wrestling ever. It was kind of like it, and it made so much sense. And even to the point that CM Punk was like, didn't know what to say or or what to do. Yeah, and, and, and God, it that's how you tell a fucking story. I'm sorry. No, it is, and and that's the thing, and and that's a huge difference as to um, that is why that's a huge difference of um, of uh, of uh, not scripting the wrestlers too much. You know, because back in the day, they would just give them bullet points and then go out and get this point across. And that, and what you're watching with Punk and MJF is two people who, you know, just know how to get the story across. Because I got to be honest with you, uh, for all the faults of ABW, which we will, I'm going to point out a few, um, it's, it's, I'm actually excited for this pay-per-view. They're making me care about several matches, not just a dog collar match between those two, but like Daniel Bryan. And and John Moxley, Thunder Rosa, and Britt Baker. Uh, They're doing a very good job of doing that. And and Eddie Kingston needs to win. I'm just if if I I should he need to go over. over. Um, He needs to win because it's the right thing to do. And if Jericho insists on winning, I swear to God, then he's completely completely lost the narrative. Because Eddie Kingston. Lost to, to Punk in the last pay per view, uh, and you got if you want this guy to be a star because he is so over and his promo, holy shit! Like I mean, you know, next mm-hmm. I mean a promo war between him and MJF. Uh, I, I'll watch that for like just an hour of them talking. You need to put Kingston over. Kingston needs to be he's a star already, but you need to give him the wins. Yeah, yeah, and because wins I... do count in wrestling fans. I'm sorry, I know it's predetermined, but wins do, do count. count. Yeah, because you think, and and here's the key with AEW, it's not that wins count, wins that we're seeing on the main shows, <laughs> because well, yeah. it don't do any good that you have a winning on YouTube, and you only got 35k people watching YouTube. You know what I'm saying? So it's kind of like it. That's why I said to me, it's crazy that they don't pump the YouTube like they just take for granted that people are gonna watch it. Yeah. yeah, and also, yeah, they gotta, they gotta, and if you're gonna put somebody on there, like they're talking about, oh, this person has this many wins, and, and then they kind of casually mention on YouTube. I'm like, okay, you need to tell me that because I'm watching the show now every week. You know, it's 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 a weird. They have a disconnection problem, and Brian last uh, on his podcast with Cornette brought it up, mm-hmm. and it's and it's a great point in that Punk come out and say something, and then that's it for Punk. You're not gonna see Punk the rest of the show. Moxley will come out and say something. And that's it for Moxley. You're not gonna you're like. There's no yeah. backup, and you, they, they have a problem interconnecting stuff, and that's a, and that's an easy fix problem because again, I forget because I'm so busy, and this podcast mm-hmm. is becoming more. We're talking about doing a second one, so it's like okay, and I and we're talking about how this, you know, like okay, I'm gonna schedule my day so I could do the research for the second podcast. You have two YouTube shows. You need to remind me that you have these two YouTube shows uh, because, you know, people, and like you said, there's, and like, I, I forget they're there. And also you have all people I really don't want to see. Mm-hmm. And, and like, okay, the acclaimed, the acclaimed are your future tag team champions. And these guys are great. And quite frankly, like they're, they're getting beat so bad every week that I pinned 
uh, I pinned them both when I went to Kroger this morning after I got that shooting. They were just they were just laying in the back, like they were literally yeah, glorified back in the middle of the, that on the middle of the produce section. I'm like, what are you doing? Like, well, we're just doing jobs. I'm like, all right, mm-hmm. you know. I mean, hey, so I'm two and zero on you know on the Kroger uh, AEW YouTube channel. Now I'm gonna tell you this: Jay Cargill made me give a fuck about her, uh, especially with this last match she did. And uh, I, I'm very interested because that's that what I'm saying. Like every match they're doing, that TBS match, <clears throat> it's like I see Ty Conti, how good she has become, and now Jay Cargill. You know, what I'm saying period. I still want to see Jay Cargill against a monster. That's what I'm. I, I want to see her against Nyla Rose, um, because all the girls fought against she basically tower over. So it's kind of like. At some point, when are we going to get her against somebody that she can't push? <laughs> you feel what I'm saying? They're yeah. really going to give her a strong well, chance. If they're going to do, uh, they need to, again, it's that thing of you need to, you damage Nyla Rose. So you need to rebuild her and you need to do it on yeah. the two big shows. And yeah. again, I'm sorry. And I'm, I'm going to cut you off. And, I'm, and this time, I actually mean to cut you off. Uh, yeah. For the audience at home, Kavanaugh and I have a great chemistry. Like from the second we, did our very first interview. We have this energy and we get so excited when we talk to each other that like, you know, we just, Oh my God, I can't wait to say next thing. Cause we're so on the same page. Yeah. So uh, we're working on it, but I'm deliberately cutting you off because here's the thing. You can rebuild the acclaim. They, they're, they're not, they haven't been completely killed yet because they can talk on the mic. You can rebuild yeah. Nyla Rose to be that monster for Cargill and she can get a good match out of Cargill. You can, you can do all this other stuff. Uh, if you fucking Stop with the fucking dark fucking order, or as I or as I like to call them, the George Goulas gang, because you know <laughs> that said sail, Daddy said sail. You know it's like th- these fuckwits are in every segment almost, and they never win, and they're the biggest bunch of fucking clueless goofballs. And it's like you know, like all this time you're wasting on these jackasses, where you could be putting other people on the main show and also rehabbing people. Cause again, Tony Khan is only been doing this a few years. He went from not doing any wrestling to all of a sudden being a wrestling booker of a major company. He's going to make mistakes. So instead of using this extra time that you would have, if you stopped with this stupid gimmick that never worked, it worked for five minutes in two episodes and that's it. It lost the narrative real quick. And it drives me nuts because in that tag team battle royal, that fucking little midget is running around and now and acting like a world beater. And now, and he, and, and while he's being a world beater for the guys who actually draw you money, he's still mm-hmm. acting like a fucking goofball. And now he's in a six man tag next week with main adventures. And, he, and it's like, okay, and if they lose, guess who's going to take the fall? It's going to be him. And but I don't see, even remember his name because he's not worth remembering. That's the point. It's kind of like, Okay, they're the new Mokey Brothers. <laughs> Don't no, 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 no. I no, I will not know. I will walk off this show. You do not sully the good goddamn name of the Mokey Brothers compared to the fucking George Goulas gang. The Mokey Brothers could actually work. And they, I mean, they earned the respect of like the Midnight Express and the Road Warriors and Jim Cornette and everybody else. Do not fucking insult Multimania with these fucking 
like clueless jackasses who and, and Sleep actually had the tag titles somewhere. It, it, they, they were in another promotion. They they were in another territory when they held them. But yeah, I remember looking that up. But no, but but I'm just saying. That is, that, that is what they're there for because okay, if we want to go there, the only two, the, the only tag team that probably would ever ever hold the tag ties would be Eva Uno and, and Stu Grayson. Yeah, but best. but here's the thing: the thing with the Monkey Brothers was either they would do a single, like they would have a Monkey, uh, yeah. or they would have the Monkey Brothers, and it was one match. Okay, yeah, and they didn't get mic time. They didn't get big long segments. They got their ass whooped. And they earned the respect of the crowd, and then they left. If you're gonna mm-hmm. use them as like jobbers, then they need to have like okay. Then the one female Dark Order jobber does something for one of the girls, or one of the other female wrestlers, and then you get you know oh or you know we need a guy to, and you and you have them one match. You don't have them come out there and hang with your world champion that you're trying to get over. You don't have them multiple segments, constantly getting into everybody's business. They're like Dusty Rhodes back in the old Mid-Atlantic show where he's involved in every segment, but it's like, I don't mm. want to fucking see you in any segments, and you're in all of them. You're like genital awards on, 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 on Orgy Day. Like, you're not wanted. Mm. It's just, it's gotten to the point where it physically makes me fucking angry that, like, these idiots are all, and now it's it's like, it's not working. So many different levels that I could teach a course on it. It's it's enough. See, I it's think fucking, I think the, the you're not even using them as jobbers properly. They're not even jobbers because you're not using them as jobbers. You're, it's just weird. I think I, I it, it like this. This is what I think. What it the best way I can put it is this. Like I said before, the problem is they don't have a leader, and the way that the dark order should be done is as a heel group. Now, you can get rid of Eva Uno and you can get Stu Grace. They are trying to destroy the Dark Order because they got kicked out of the Dark Order. You feel what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, you know, period. Like, I can see a Bray Wyatt coming in leading. And well, that- he completely changes to where they're, like, completely evil. Because you got the big monster with your boy. Okay? We see what he can do. And, and and train and he can really do some some shit. Or if you want to bring in goddamn Aaron Redbill, it's 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 things that can be done to it. But for right now, that's what they're for because you're not gonna have Paige take one. So if there's gonna be a, a pin that's gonna take place in that three that that six man, which some tell me Paige is going to win, and Paige is the one that's gonna get the pin. <laughs> but if you're not going to have, because one thing I say about AEW, they make it a point with their champ not to look weak. WWE champ would have been pinned in that six man. Unless you're black, then they're going to totally fuck you over. If you're a black <laughs> champion, they're going to piss all over you. <laughs> you know, period. You're going to get pinned. It just, it just facts. It's- so to me, that's why I don't mind the Dark Order being involved because who else does the hangman has to deal with plus the way the storyline was going. But, but as far as would I make them tag champs or anything no. of that nature, no, no. Because your IQ no. is over 50. No, no, no. At best, they, even if they get the tag titles, not even long, they'd be more in a chasing factor than that of being... They shouldn't even... Okay, you know. I try to be... When I started doing this podcast, I had to... I, I actually 
had a come to Jesus meeting with myself in that I have to, you know, kind of expand my mind and really look at it from an analytic view. I, mm-hmm. I have, there is not one redeemable fucking thing about the Dark Order. If I got any power in AEW tomorrow, the first thing I would do is call every single fucking one of them into my office and I go, Uno, mm-hmm. go home. Here's a ticket. Go home now. Get one of your old costumes and take that fucking guy with you, that Grayson guy. And I want to see you here next week with whatever colors you have. I don't care. And you're going back to your old thing. And then we're going to make you kind of like our Orient Express, our Killer B tag team. And if you behave, one day we might give you like a one-week run with the titles. So get out of my office. The rest of you, you are so fucking fired that nobody, since the beginning (laughs) of employment, has been this fucking fired. Get out. Get out, get out, get out. And don't come back for at least five fucking years. I'm so over this because it's – because I'm thinking to myself, okay, Nero uh, possibly has an injury. I keep forgetting to look that up. That's on me. But you have all these guys you keep signing, and you're giving television time to, like, certain wrestlers that just aren't ready yet or these fucking idiots, and they don't – Get the job done. They're not convincing in any way. Whenever they do anything, it looks fucking terrible. And no, they should never, never even be like if the if 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 fucking the uh the, the Jurassic Park or hold or Jurassic Express are holding the belts in the ring, they shouldn't yeah. even be allowed to come to ringside. They're, they shouldn't be allowed within a hundred feet of the belts. Like if they're getting a cup of coffee and somebody walks by with the belt, they should be forced to go to the other side of the stadium. They're that fucking bad. And I'm sorry, they're all irredeemable with the exception of the two. But unless you're going to do go, go back to the old gimmick, then they're mm-hmm. not redeemable. You need to fucking fire them. It's gotten to the point where you have wrestlers that you can make money on and they're homegrown. And you're not doing it because you're giving all this fucking multi-million dollar TV time to these fucking inbred nimrods that I wouldn't <laughs> let mow my lawn if I had stones in my yard. Like they're fucking idiots. There's nothing redeemable about this stupid gimmick. But if you want to bury, why not just go, hey, Bray Wyatt, how about this? How about we rape your wife on Christmas and then have you blow your brains out? Because that would be way more productive than have him lead this gaggle of jackasses that have achieved nothing. So true. So true. So, But it's interesting that you made a good segue because also, um, before I even get to Hangman Page and Adam, with Hangman Page and Adam, now, we got the uh, it's supposed to be this three way dance tag team match for the title. We got Red Dragon, which is going to be in it now. Of course, I, I bet that the Young Bucks will be in the uh, will be be the third one. Now, this is something I thought about. Right now, at first, when AW was formed and it started, people was bitching and moaning about why the Young Bucks want the first tag champs, why they want this, they want that, right? Now, we're getting a lot of the Young Bucks, which, don't get twisted, I like, I always did like the Young Bucks myself. Um, But the thing of it is, is now, it's kind of like, motherfuckers like, well, damn, the Young Bucks is, you know, in the midst of the tag team division, what about FTR, what about this, this, this? And I'm like, well, y'all asked for this. Well, yeah. Because, because the, the biggest thing is being a VP, and if I'm running the division, is 
if we jump and became a tag chance for jump, y'all gonna drag us. So we 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 laid back and let the other tag teams get the shine. Then y'all said, well, y'all need to have the belt, so we get the belts, which they did a smart thing by being heels as champ versus being faces. Uh, I, go ahead. I, 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 I do like, I don't know what, the, I, 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 they're doing their version of what they think a heel is supposed to be. What they did at PWG was way better heel-wise, but mm. I don't think they're doing a great job with the tag division. Because FTR, again, uh, like, I think the belt should be on them. Plus, the Briscoe mm-hmm. brothers are, are floating around out there. And now everybody's talking about the Hardy Boys. I'm like, the Hardy Boys, even if they come back for, like, a yet another tag team mm-hmm. run, they are at a, a stage in their life where they're not going to be a full – I mean, sure, if you want to put the belts on them, sure, it'll be a pop, it'll be a moment, oh, everybody will be happy. I, but you, but and that's not shitting on the Hardy Boys, but yeah. you need to – Build up the acclaim. You need to, you know, kind of get some homegrown tag teams. But also, like, the Briscoe brothers are right there. And, you know, like, there's a bunch of teams that you should be getting and signing and using. And I'm just still confounded that the FTR can't seem to catch a break in that they get good-paying jobs, but they're not being. I mean, I'm at this point, I hate saying it because I've, I prefer AEW uh-huh. more to WWE, but WWE used them better than than AEW has so far. Well, I think for one, okay, this is what I think, <clears throat> and I and and we can go back to back in the day. There was always multiple tag team feuds. Now, not two single wrestlers feuding with two single wrestlers. No, no, no. Tag team feuds. It was um, outside the tag titles. You had the Russians versus whomever. You feel what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. The, the Horsemen versus the Rock and Roll Express tag titles not even involved. You feel what I'm saying? But you yep. had Arn and Telly wrestling with them. That is what's missing in wrestling today because I actually noticed that. Because the question I ask you is, in AEW, name the other tag team feud. Yeah, that's the thing. There's no, yeah, and the, and and the, and and the tag champs don't even have a feud. They have like a challenger for two weeks, and then yeah, it, and then it's done. They <clears throat> like, yeah, you. That's why I said bring in the Briscoes and let FTR and the Briscoes for a year. Just let them feud, and then mm-hmm. and then have the tag. But I don't think the Briscoes want to sign. I think they don't want to sign. To AW because I think they're just so beholden to that of um Ring of Honor. Because they were because why from what I understand, it they was at one of the shows. So they had to uh, talk to Tony. And Tony probably meaning Jay Lethal wanted to sign with AEW. Now, how long he signed with him and told him the story. I think the Briscoe didn't want to sign. That's the reason why they ain't pulled the trigger. You know what I'm saying? Because I'm pretty sure that was a money match that they wanted. But the thing is, he probably wanted them for a for a year. <laughs> it was like, nah. <laughs> I mean, they, because they, they're the Ring of Honor champs, and as well, long as they're the Ring of Honor, they know they're good. Well, I don't know what's going on with Ring of Honor, and you know, because they, I mean, Grisham is still out there with the belt and defending it and doing stuff, but I don't know. They haven't come back yet. 
And the Briscoes have it probably be coming back in April for uh yeah. around WrestleMania weekend. Well, the thing is, I mean, if, I understand the Briscoes want to stay there because the Briscoes have always, while being full time wrestlers, they have a biz, they have a family business, yeah, they you know have a job, so they always been able to be like, well, you know, I, they make money at something else, and it's like a family run business, and it does uh, apparently very well, and they own a lot of land, but I would just. You know, if they were available, I would just offer them whatever they want because you 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 basically do that now and at least mm-hmm. get do a build up for a pay per view match. And I don't think the Briscoes would have a problem putting over, um, putting over. Uh, yeah, I don't think like you know, give them a couple of months to let them, like again, let them do their thing like MJ and Punk, and then let and then and then I'm sure they would you know be happy to put them over in in a, in a great match. But again, it's a thing of they they would, and I'm not, and again, I'm sorry, I already did my tirade. But again, they could free up a lot of TV time by just you know kind of <laughs> having a lot of guys like certain people removed. But also Dante Dante Martin, nothing against the dude. He's young and yeah, he can fly, but he can't do much else. Put him on YouTube and and get him in the ring with some veterans, no, like, no, like like the modern like find the modern day George South and let him do the thing. Hey. Hook is ready. Oh Hook. yeah, no, and, and that's, there's an example of them doing something right with a build. Yeah, Hook is ready. It's it's like it, he knows. He like put it this way. One thing I can say with these these young times with AW, their top young talent, they know. It's just something about that they know the business. They know how to work the business. For MGF to even to Darby, um, Sammy Kavar, you know what I'm saying, with Hook, um, and even Hobbs. You know what I'm saying? It's like they I can see that, yeah, they it's that they're gonna be the strength down the line for AEW when the old heads just start disappearing. As long as they're still there. Well, that's the thing. Nobody in AEW is that old. I think probably the oldest guy on the roster might be Matt Hardy, and he's kind of been managing, and that's the thing. You need to, like, really take a solid look at the guys that are ready for a push and push them. And again, like, you claim, like, Nyla Rose, uh, you know, you, it's uh, – the, the best friends need – like, Chuck Taylor, I, I, I was watching that tag team Battle Royal, and I was like – Okay, explain to me, like, one, why are some of these underneath tag teams there never, whatever, uh, getting, like, come up it's on, like, your major stars. But also, um, like, I'm, the, the Blade was trying to do something with Chuck Taylor, and, and he clearly he was, uh, like, just, you know, sandbagging him. Like, he was, I was like, what the fuck are you doing? Like, you're, you realize you're on national television, and you're making this guy who never gets it went on TV yeah. look bad. And like, dude, what the, like, he just, and there's a difference between, oh, I'm putting up a struggle, making it look real. And there's like, mm-hmm. he's like, dude, I'm just trying to give you like a simple, like head bump into the, into the steps. And it was like, you, and the camera stayed on it way too long. Like, it just made this guy look like a piece of shit, you fucking indie jerk off. And, you know, like, okay, the, the, the best friends, um, either, either do something with Trent. Or make the best friends your job or tag team, your multis that will put people mm-hmm. over. Because and have Chuck Taylor eat the pin every time. I've I've always kind of even when he does the 
Like he'll do flips and everything, yeah. but it's the most awkward. I didn't see, 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 see what's crazy is that once again, it, okay, this is what I think what AEW is about. Like I said, and this is why I say New Japan Pro Wrestling must be the best wrestling on the earth because it seems like everything over here mimics them. Because, okay, the best friends are tag team. Now, of course, I guess they're click, what have you, but for the most part, they're a tag team. We don't see too many. We haven't seen them in the tag team division have tag team matches. Trent lately been having singles matches or what have you. They, they even did Rapagi, excuse me, uh, Rapagi Vice, whatever the fuck. Um, Rapungi, Rapungi. It's yeah, like the... with him and uh, Rocky Romero. So, to me, that is where they're doing. They're doing the click shit like that of New Japan. Because it's like they're not building a tag team division. They're just having matches amongst the cliques. <laughs> if people really pay attention to how they're doing it. Because, yeah. <clears throat> for example, with Adam Page, okay, Adam Page has no reason to be connected with the Dark Order. No. He has no reason. They, 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 let's keep it 100. But he's connected. Why? Because they wanted him to have a click. You feel me? Because originally he's with the elite. Now we have, of course, Adam Cole trying to decide whether he's gonna be with the elite or he's gonna be with the with with the with, with the paradigm or where or wherever the where the name of their click gonna be. You feel me? We still have Kenny Omega, who is a part of the supposed to be coming back eventually at, from his injuries. So it's like you the Eddie Kingston starting to click up with you, you, you get what I'm coming from? So it seems like that is the way they're playing off of it. And no one picked up on that shit. But they're I just... Mean, I, I guess we it, see shit other people don't. I mean, yeah, clicks... I mean, yeah, you're right in the sense that Japan has these, like, long-running groups that kind of... It, it just kind of never really seems to mean anything. Um, I, you know, have Adam Cole and the Red Dragon be, like, your four horsemen... Um, and let the, uh, the the Bucks do their thing. They're going to be able to do whatever they want because they're VPs and all that. Um, again, the show is overall good, but it's like, okay, you you keep signing people and you're bringing these people in. And, and there's some – and also, they need to work on their number one contender thing because, like, Adam Cole got into a feud with sweatpants and then – Lost, and then now all of a sudden he's the number one contender for the world championship. But yeah, because the rankings. Hold on, let's be clear. Because the rankings, and it was an unsanctioned match, which means that he technically didn't lose. Yeah, but you still lost to (laughs) you still lost to a guy wearing sweatpants. That his old gimmick is it, you know, and 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 it just. But I mean, but I I have no problem with Adam Cole going for the title though. Because, I, mean, I wouldn't mind seeing. I wouldn't mind seeing the belt on because I kind of do think they they botched the the. Uh, it's not a fault of Anna Page, but they. I think they kind of botched his push as world champion. The fans like him, but for me, you made him a goof for too long. You rushed him into the to title picture, then, and then now all of a sudden he went from dressing like a regular dude to now he's like. A rhinestone cowboy. cowboy. He's like a rhinestone cowboy. Like that's literally what I hear when I see him come out in street clothes, and 
you know, and then he, he had a couple of good matches with Danielson. And then his big, oh, he had a, a week-long feud with, uh, with uh, what's his name? Archer. Uh, murder, the Murder Hawk. Yeah, <laughs> and yeah, Lance Archer. And then that was over before it started. And mm. now Adam Page, it's like, you're kind but of. See, you know, see, see, me, I, 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 I beg the difference. See, I, 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 I like Adam Page's chance. Um, actually, well, I, I like as a champion, but it's like you're not doing it. And also, whoever, whoever's his wardrobe mistress, fire. <laughs> oh, no, I, it, it like this to me. I mean, with the cowboy shit, okay, I get it because y'all trying to sell t shirts. I get that. But outside of that, I like him as champ. It's like like this last episode. I like the fact he came down and beat the shit out of both of both both people of Red Dragon. Yes, that's how I want my champion to look. I want him to be a badass because to me, when I look at him, he puts me in the mind of the fusion. He actually reminds me of a young Stan Hansen. Young Stan Hansen. We ain't talking about AWA Stan Hansen. Stan Hansen before the knee pads. Stan Hansen in Japan. You feel me? Yeah. Um, because of his physicalness in the whole nine or what have you. And um, I actually like the buckshot Larry way better than the right of passage. You know, that was kind of an interesting finishing maneuver. But to me, I, I like him as champ. And I think, one, he needs to go over on Adam Page, I me mean, Adam Cole, because... He needs that win. He needs that win over Adam Cole because Adam Cole is going to give a great match. This is going to be a bomb burner. But, and well, two, this is the first time these two ever had met because they never even met at Ring of Honor. Because Remember, he left and went to WWE before he could actually do, which is interesting with all the Bullet Club leaders. They lose, and we never get the opportunity for them to get their comeuppance. But that's... that's well, he... Fit. He, uh, I think they're gonna have a obviously they're gonna have a great match, and I think Adam Cole could definitely help you know, uh, raise uh, uh, Paige's game. But the problem is, again, it's this tendency to rush it. So, like, are you gonna is this gonna be like the next day or the next time on Wednesday? He's gonna like say, like, make an excuse that he, he didn't lose and then they, like brutally attack him, or is he gonna be like, oh, now he beats Adam Cole, and now all of a sudden. Your milkman comes out, and now he's challenging him, you know. And you never, you never put your bottles in the right receptacle, and then does a run in. It's like you can kind of have multiple matches, and you know, it's like if you don't do anybody favors. If they have this one match, and then it kind of dies, you're not doing any guy a favor. Um, you didn't do uh, Archer any favors by having a match with the world champion. Um, but it was the one thing I did like, but one thing I did like before I forget, because I will forget is that mm-hmm. Adam Cole did a run-in and there was no music. You had actually had to listen <clears throat> to the crowd reaction before you saw mm-hmm. it. And that right there is how you do a run-in. Whether it's a good guy or bad guy, that run-in, when you see, when you see the crowd slowly, it builds. You're like, Whoa! you know, and then the guy hits the ring. That is how you hit the run-in. Like, n- no more music, no more, you know, oh, let me set up your little, you know, Promotron thing, you know, yeah. then go in and save your friend. Yeah, yeah, the way that Adam, Adam Page. I'm going to tell you right now, if I've ever get my ass beat and you're like, hey, play my music, I'm going to go save Billy. I'm, and, and I'm like, I hear your music and I'm like, motherfucker, did you wait for them to hit your music? I I will, I like, oh, I'm going to, I'll kill you. 
Oh my god! But like I said, I know Revolution is. I'm I'm curious about that whole pay per view, even to um the the Thunder Rosa and the, the Britt Baker. I I don't know who I want to win that match, man. I really don't. I really don't. Yo. It's one of those things where I think Thunder Thunder Rosa eventually will be uh, an age the AEW champion. I. Yeah. I would keep the belt on Britt Baker because she's yeah, doing kind such of a great too. job. If you're going to put a belt on somebody, have her take the belt off of um, <laughs> off of Cargill and have her do a feud with Cargill because she's not beating – she's winning every week, but she's not beating top – it's a Goldberg thing. And it's yeah. like, okay and, – and it's, and it's a real number, to, to and that's good, but eventually – it, you gotta you gotta get her away from that undefeated streak before it gets out of hands, and you just I don't know when, and I'm not gonna sit here and say I know the exact right time to do it, but eventually you're gonna have to have her lose whether it's in, in or losing a way that she doesn't lose the belt. Mm-hmm. I honestly don't know which way because again, uh, she's I mean uh, Britt Baker's just doing such a great bang up job. I. I don't know. I don't know. I I don't know if I would take the belt off her, but Thunder Rosa is also somebody if, that you can you'd be a great champion for. Any I company. wouldn't be mad if Thunder Rosa won it, but the same token with Britt, because the question is with Britt. Good night. Because, like I said, that's that, that's hard for me, yo. Because, like I said, with Britt, because, like you said, Britt is doing such a great job as a heel. So, and with her having the belt, it's kind of like the Charlotte Flair syndrome. It's just certain people you can't imagine without without that belt around them. So, if you're not gonna have Thunder Rosa run with the title for a minute, then I don't see the point of them switching the title. Now, that could be some hijinks to where Britt Baker retains. But then the question is, who would you have taken off of her? There's right now that's on the roster that would be ready for that mantle. Yeah, and now you kind of put this in my brain because I – because, I, again, I've been so mesmerized by the stuff that they're doing really well, but also just – you know, again, every week, oh, you know, they're going to bring in this person. They're going to they just sign this person. And then I start thinking to myself, like, where are you going to put him? And again, like, when when Miro comes back, what are you going to do with him? And, you know, so on. Uh, that I completely forgot that they really don't have, like, feuds. Like, yeah. they have, like, again, the matches for this pay-per-view are all because, matches because I really want to see. For the, first right. time, for the first time, and I want to say almost... I would say six to seven years. The first time in six, seven years, I genuinely no, I'm sorry. I wanted to see that first all all in elite whatever show, the one the very first one they did. So since that one, this is a pay-per-view that I genuinely want to see. And the matches that they're having, I have complete and total faith in the talent to have good matches. And Tony Khan has the brains in his head to let them do their thing and give them time to do their thing. But yeah, there's no feuds. There's no there's these clicks, but the clicks don't really do anything. And yeah, so it's like uh, now I'm like now I'm all thinking about like, yeah, there are no feuds. There are no feuds. You need to give like that. Yeah, great- you, you, you need you need multiple feuds to actually push the women's division in the product because, because now 
Kingston and Kingston and the LAX are now going to become a click. And and you know, yeah, you know, you're absolutely right. You're you hit it on the nail, like or you hit it on the nail. You hit the nail on the head, like you know, perfectly. Yeah, because see, it's because to me, even with <clears throat> with that, because like I said, the only person I could see would be Ruby Soho, but she had you didn't have her lose to Jane Cargill. And she hasn't looked as strong as for me to sit here and say, okay, she <laughs> can take Britt Baker. Or I can see her with the better round of waist, you know, period. So I'm I'm curious what they're going to do with that match. Because, you know. And, and that's the thing. Like, okay, talk about one of the things you're doing wrong. You got her. She came into a huge pop. And I always, and it's funny because, um, uh, people think I'm weird. I think she's really attractive. I'm normally not a fan of like women with like certain tattoos in certain places. I mean, I do like tattoos. Obviously, I have them, but like I think she's kind of hot. I think she's hot in a very you know unique way, and she's a great talent. And they and basically you buried her. There's no other way to sit. you can't tell me otherwise. I don't give a shit what she's doing on the YouTube shows. That doesn't count. Yeah, that's like that's like basically like all the women I had sex with before I got into porn doesn't count towards my porn career. Whatever you do on YouTube stays in YouTube. Uh, so it's completely you would have to again, Dyla Rose and and Ruby, you would have to rebuild because no, as much as I love Ruby Soho and I love the entrance, I love the look, and I think she's a great talent. She you need to give her wins. I can't tell you the last time she won. I can't remember. And you need to give her wins in a convincing fashion. And I know she's happy to be there. But like hugging the referee and being all jolly, it's like you need to no hugging the referee, kind of turn down the joy a little bit, like kind of like be a little bit meaner. And if and again, with with Nyla and with Ruby, if you gave her some strong wins and you gave her, you know, like owning people in interviews, like coming in and saying something and owning them or and beating. And again, not just, you know, not 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 the chick from the George Goulas gang, but like have them be like a legitimate couple of female wrestlers then now you have okay now Britt baker and or cargill i think baker is a better match for ruby because i don't yeah. think he ha- you need a special talent to carry uh cargill yeah you need a special talent ruby unfortunately in my opinion does not have it or she didn't display it in the match that i saw but she could definitely be a great match for ruby or ruby she could be a match for Britt, but again When's the last time she fucking won? And and I have a feeling, and I just I just thought of this. I have a feeling that that uh, AEW is going to maybe get a little lazy. This is a theory that they're going to take a wrestler, pound them into dirt on their big shows, and then go to YouTube for like six months. And oh my god, she won fifteen matches. Where? Where? <laughs> that is so true. You're like, oh, There's... oh, oh, she won a bunch. Of... Where she win them in Canada, where her boyfriend lives. Where the fuck does she win these fifteen matches? You know, she she's ranked number two. But like, but she went shit on Dynamite or Rampage. Okay, so but look, let's get off AEW. Let's get to, of course, WWE. And the first thought before I even go into the Roman Reigns and the brothers, I'm gonna say that good shit for last. Do we have to watch Johnny Knoxville in the match in WrestleMania? I unfortunately, and I apologize to the audience. I 
Dude, we have. I'm, I'm, I, I didn't really keep. I didn't keep track of what's going on, but I'm not surprised that Johnny Knoxville's got to wrestle and wrestle at WrestleMania. Um, and I'm sure whoever he's wrestling, uh, he's wrestling the Intercontinental Champion. I'm assuming. Sami Zayn. And he's probably going to win. And, oh my god, no. <laughs> yeah, because that's the thing. Like Bad Bunny, Bad Bunny, you know, like gets over on. I mean, again, well, why is he getting over on wrestlers and doing what he's doing? And that's what I, WWE I, does. Uh, I mean, I, I I was just like, and but see, that ain't the worst news though. And actually, Johnny is, Johnny is more banged up than the wrestlers from all that. From all oh no, no, no! Someone else talking about coming back that's worse than Johnny. Oh, you heard? I've been meaning to tweet on the Twitter. McMahon talking about having a match, possibly with Paul McAfee. Uh, let's unpack that. Let's let's really unpack that for a second. Wait a second. How old is McMahon? So 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 we can understand. He's like in his seventies, early seventies now. He can't be in his early seventies, though. No, yeah, like, he's got to be, be like. He has to be. Uh, hold on one second. He has to be in the seventies. Um, late seventies. <laughs> yeah, I think McMahon was like what in his twenties during the Black Sunday. You oh, know what I'm saying? Six. Yeah, bro. <laughs> and he's on the rig. <laughs> well, here's the thing: for a 76 year old, he's in a phenomenal. He's like basically he's in such great shape. He's in the shape of an out of shape 50 year old. But that, but you know, you still yeah. Okay. He was showing him how to take bumps. It it. it. During the Thunderdome. <laughs> I mean, it's no, I don't know. I, uh, I mean, it's going to be interesting going forward. If if hopefully this the whole Stone Cold match is a is a big lie, because now that the Undertaker is kind of done, and you know Goldberg is the is the textbook definition of diminishing returns, you have officially run out of. Uh, attitude era people that bring back to basically shit on your old talent, and the only people that you could bring back would be a Cena who's making too much money in Hollywood, and he finally got ahead, so he's not gonna come back. Same thing. Oh, with he's Peace. good. He, 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 Peacemaker coming back for a second season. He good. He he's great right now. <laughs> well, well, same thing with Batista. Batista and, and like you know, The Rock went away and, and earned his spot in Hollywood, and then Batista and Cena, who. You know, especially Batista, who didn't have the star power of the Rock or Cena, and they went and they toiled. They weren't just given stuff, and they and they you know they they managed to make a career in Hollywood. Now they're doing really good shit with major directors and major studios. The studios are not going to let them. Ever since the Rock, I heard that one time when the match against Cena, they're, they're not going to let you. Know, oh yeah, sure. What I, I'm a, I, I gave you a TV show and I got a three movie deal with you, and you're going to be worth billions to me. Sure. Go do it. Go wrestle for that jerk off in Connecticut and, and, and hurt your back and then set everything back like a year. No, they're not going to. And and Orton never goes away because he's the apex albatross. So you have nobody. <laughs> you have nobody. I want to do a show where, where Randy Orton it's, is the house guy like, and he just never leaves. It's leave. just like they just go straight. It's like they go straight. And I repeat the word they go straight. To the old heads, because it's like you have all this talent. 
Okay, if you're going to have McAfee wrestles, which McAfee can actually wrestle. Yeah. Why not have him go against Austin Theory? Why not have him go against... You get what I'm saying? Because, it, one, what kind of match you going to have with fucking Vince McMahon? You know what's gonna you know what you know what's gonna happen? They're gonna do some kind of stupid swerve, and it's gonna become this big fucking dog and pony show. And he's not actually gonna have the match, but then at the end of the match, McAfee somehow will overcome, and or somebody will come out and give Mick McMahon a bump. It's I just don't I genuinely don't get the logic of the WWE in that you pay these people like the lowest paid guy makes six figures. And you pay them all this money, and you won't let them get over, and you shit on them at every turn. Like, oh, we got a guy named Bad Bunny. We're gonna, he's a rapper, and he's, and he's not, he doesn't even look like, at least Ice T looks like he could, he's in his 60s. He could still look like he could whoop somebody's ass. We're gonna have a guy that has stepdad body, not even dad body, he has stepdad body, and he's gonna come out at WrestleMania and the Royal Rumble and make all our guys who are supposed to be these premier athletes look like a joke. We're going to, you know, squash this guy. We're going to pull this guy's gimmick he, back. He eliminated make- people during the Royal Rumble. I was like, what the frick? But because it's all it comes down to rate. I'm not going to lie to you. If I, again, I, I'm, I'm, we're porn people. So therefore, in the mainstream media, like there are certain people that follow me on Twitter that I'm excited that follow me because, you know, I, I have my, my account is specifically for my porn career and I post shit all the time of uh, me doing shit to other people. So, you know, and, and they follow me and it's a thrill. But I guarantee you, if, if I actually could pull in major ratings for the WWE, they would bring me out of WrestleMania with a bad back and like pink eye and I'd be whooping everybody's ass and I'd be doing all kinds of flips and everything. And I would be look like a million dollars because it, it pops a rating. And, and and then and then I go home the next day while everybody else has got to get on the plane and fly to the next town to do the shit for the next 365 days. That's the way WWE thinks. It's like, you know, they're ashamed of being a wrestling company while being a wrestling company. So, like, I mean, if Jamie Lee Curtis wanted to go in there and have and, and make, you know, Sasha Banks look bad, if they thought it would get a rating and get attention, they would have Jamie Lee Curtis out there you know, like, you know, beating the shit out of Sasha Banks, you know, and it's, that's like, that's like me, you know, I don't know. I don't even know. It's, it's just so stupid that I can't even kind of, I'm also exhausted, but I, I can't even uh, come up with a good example of how just ass backwards it is, you know, at least with AEW, you could say, Hey, it's a new company still. And Tony Khan technically has only been in wrestling business for three years. You know, like when they make a major mistake, you could at least, you know, reason it, rationale it with, hey, they're still new and they're finding their footing and, and, and they're and they're going through big growth spurts and blah, blah, blah. But at WWE, you have all this talent. I'm actually watching, like, again, in my little my little podcasting studio, whatever, which is my guest room, I have usually TV going. I have some kind of wrestling going on in the background and I have I'm watching Champa and uh, Dolph Ziggler, who you know, are wrestling, and it's a good match. But Dolph Ziggler is the perfect example of somebody, like, first of all, he pulled off the name Dolph Ziggler, which is the stupidest fucking wrestling name ever in history. But this guy, you know, again, million-dollar talent could do anything, and you just, I mean, 
it just it's a, it, like his entire career is not what it should be. One day he'll retire, and he's going to be the guy that never had the career that he should have had. And I guarantee you, if he left, I would. If he left tomorrow, I would have him meet Adam Page at that pay per view, do a run in, and pin and and make him my AEW champion. Because I know this dude would hit ground running and be given five star matches with everybody. Because that's how good he is. And the WWE just, oh, we're gonna knock you down. We're gonna send you down to NXT and, and make you make you lunch for uh, Braun Breaker, you know. And then we're gonna take you off TV for another year, and then we'll bring you back and have you do something else. And blah blah blah. It's like he's like the Undertaker without the hat. Mm. <clears throat> yeah. So. And now, also, of course, we had, which I was—I made mention of the, of the great promo that Roman Reigns did, and and I'm sorry, it was ballsy. It was—I loved it. I fucking loved it. And um, and of course, Brock Lesnar. I'm liking him. He's having a lot of fun. And uh, but the, the thing I want to discussion is now we found out there's going to be a unification match. So, which is going to be interesting moving forward how this is going to work because we've been hearing the chat of Fox don't like it when certain people be on Raw and not on, on USA or not on Fox and USA complains about this, 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 this. It's, and I'm curious to see which route they would take when it comes to who would be the unified champion. Because it seemed like Brock is going to be around, because he's doing the house show, um, in Madison Square Garden, which they still haven't named who he's going to wrestle against yet. Well, I think uh, with Brock, he, I think he's kind of like yeah, everybody keeps saying like, oh, he looks like he's actually having fun, but with Brock, you never know how long is he going to be around because, you know, the guy. You know, he likes his solitude. Uh, I would not, I would have Roman win because also because it's the first time since you've been pushing this fucking guy since 2015 that people actually want to see him win fucking at WrestleMania. And not only that, but you've been shoving the Lesnar Reigns match down people's throats since 2015. And this is also the first fucking time that people want to see the fucking thing at WrestleMania again. So mm-hmm. it's like, have Rome, you, you literally made us eat peas and strained peas and carrots for years and we told you we hated it and then we finally developed a taste for it. Now you're gonna give us like strained beets. And what's the title for hold on what's the title for it? Great best or greatest main event of all time or some of that nature. I I mean they're gonna you're gonna they're gonna add a catchphrase to it, but um I just think it's hilarious that the WWE has fans Telling them like we don't like this, this is terrible, blah blah blah, and people, you know, whatever. And it, 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 but when the networks where the money comes from tells them well, we don't like something, oh well, now, now we're gonna change it. Now we're gonna, you know, now we're gonna. Yeah, because see, because now if they unify the belts, which means that there probably be one world title, which means they would, they, they would, which I hope now. This is what I'm hoping they give him one belt that would say undisputed or unified or. Wherever it's supposed to be, like they did rich like they did the last time when they unified the heavyweight belt and the the uh the undisputed title. I don't know. I, oh, I wait, the WWE title. Um because but because to me it's like which is which is funny because 
New Japan did that. So smoke that over, people. New Japan did that. Now we got Jelly B doing it. <laughs> but it's but I'm curious to see, like, like, like I said, how this is gonna play out because they're gonna have him be on both shows. Uh I, I guess so. I mean, and and here's the thing. I hope if they're gonna give him a new belt, or if they're gonna maintain, because again, they they're lazy. So I'm thinking I'll believe it when it's unified. When I see it, um, for me, I want to see if they're gonna get a new belt. If they're gonna, because because this K jeweler looking yeah. belt that they've had the last couple of years, nobody likes it. The wrestlers don't like, like the audience. Like the, the only people that really like that belt are like the wrestling. And again, they're not wrestling fans. It, they're WWE fans. And again, I'm not shitting on you, but you know, if, if you're like a solid WWE fans and you like this product, you are not a wrestling fan. Uh, I, the belts, the belts is fucking stupid. And it mm. also, to me, having two world champions, whether they be tag team, female, male, whatever, and then they have the exact same belt, but there's a different color. Uh, it diminishes them as champions. It just like one, oh, it's the same belt, and two, well, you're attacking champ, world tag champion, but not really. They need to have, you know, and also, yeah, they're. I would, I would, I would take. No, I'm gonna tell you what's crazy. No, I'm gonna tell you what's crazy. Your intercontinental belt looks better than your your universal and your tag titles. And that belt and is your so world fucking title. ugly that when it's bringing it to a room, the lights turn themselves off because they don't want anything to do with it. Because the Intercontinental belt, I love it. I like the way that look. I hate that new belt. I fucking hate it. No, I, I like that new Intercontinental belt. Now, it better look at the WWE title. Well, I'm better looking at the WWE title. I mean, it's, not, <laughs> it's, not, it's, not, it's not, it's not, unfortunately, it's not an easy, it's an easy win. It's like, you know, it's like me, you know, going to Munchkinland and, and being the tallest guy. It's like, well, hell, like. You know, congratulations. You know, it's like being the Val Victorian of summer school. It's you know the W has ugly ass belts, uh, and they're and they're lame. It's like it's it's. Okay, I'm asking this thing. What I, I, what was the best looking WWE WWE belt? Uh, like in history or currently? Yeah, history. I um. We going history. I ain't worried about current because it did. I I I guess the winged uh, like the one that they brought in in 1988 for the tournament the, the the one that Savage and Hogan and the Warrior and Bret Hart held that belt mm. I like that belt or I like the um that one iteration of the Intercontinental belt that they made when when Valentine smashed the inter, the old Intercontinental title after losing to Santana though those two are the two ones I really like um, I actually. When Brock won the world title the first time, uh, th- that 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 one belt that was around for like yeah, five yeah, years. Yeah, the belt. That was I, one of my favorites. That I, one yeah, I like cold. that belt. And here's the thing. <laughs> At least with the U.S. And, and the Intercontinental, I don't have to like the design, but they're different. It's like it just screams lazy yeah. when you have your tag team, your women's ta- world heavyweight champion, and your heavyweight champions – all have the same belt, but it's a different color. And it's also the belt in and of itself is like the laziest, cheapest. It's a cheap looking, like I said, it's like go to K Jeweler, you know, to get your title belt. But, you know? I'm gonna tell you this though, and 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 then and then we're gonna, I don't know what it, I don't know what the hell else we're gonna talk about with WWE. Okay, really, ain't. 
but so much. Um, the best looking belt to me of all times is the NWA television title. Yeah, right. actually, that's always been a personal favorite of mine. I always I'm that. It, 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 there's not a belt ever made that can top that belt. <laughs> I that's, that, 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 that belt was always a personal favorite of mine. That that red and silver belt that was always a personal favorite of mine. It's funny that we had this like we we never discussed the TV title, um, but I, yeah, I that was actually one of my. If I had to pick top three, that would be like number one or number two. Oh my god, dang it! I can't. Uh, see, see, we're gonna have to come back and do a uh, pro wrestling smoke show. That might be our first show. Rank the top ten title belts, the best top ten title belts. Oh, that's top actually 10. good because um, I know. I, I cause now I'm trying to think about belts. Like I like the old U.S. title, the one that actually had like it's the plate of the actual country on the belt. Well, that's the national title for the NWA right now. Yeah, yeah, that it used one. to be the U.S. title. Yeah, and then yeah. the national, um, the Mid Atlantic title, always a classic. Yeah, the Missouri title. Um, now I I'm, like gonna tell, the, I'm gonna tell you what people slept on the Texas title. Yeah, yeah, actually, yes, yes, very much so. Yes, um, and the version I have to find it, the version that was actually used after. World class when it was it was NWA Southwest. Now those Texas, but I think it was a playoff. I think the W the the, the world class Texas title. I gotta take a look and and see. Um, the 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 all Japan Triple Crown title belts. I always love those belts. Ooh, ooh. And yeah. you know what? I wonder where they are because um because uh when Baba died. They gave the belts back to Bob. They they restored the belts and then they gave it to Mrs. Baba, and now Mrs. Baba is gone, and I wonder where the belts wound up. Hmm. Now I'm gonna tell you. Now I'm gonna tell you that. Uh, I got to say the well, no, I got to show it to you because it's like trust me, I I got extensive belts like one of the ones like the J Crown. For uh, well, they're they not existing anymore. Pro wrestling, pro wrestling international. They used to be uh, CWF Mid Atlantic, and uh, the CWF Mid Atlantic was one of the independents down here. That shit was nice. But it, we enough about that. What else we need to talk about for WWE before we move on? Um, <laughs> well, I'm not. Uh, again, I unfortunately have to apologize. I'm kind of. I, I did not stay on top of the WWE news, and I didn't hear anything new. Well, well, actually, about... my bad. My, my bad. Cesaro. Oh, um, oh yeah, I did see. A I picture, forgot about Cesaro. Now they just magic. Oh, how, how are we going to talk about WWE and Cesaro is now gone from WWE? Oh, they let and... him go. Say so what? I didn't know that they did. They let him go. Okay. No, no he left. He he, he didn't. He didn't renew his contract. He gone. He can appear anywhere now. Good. So well, then, then he should go. Then, uh, unfortunately, either go to Japan or have, or he'll be signed by AEW. And you know, I. Uh, I don't I, think he's gonna go to. I don't think he'll get signed by AEW. I think he's gonna go to New Japan. I just. They're good. Uh, they'll, they'll make him a world champion in New Japan. Yeah, because it's it's kind of like his work rate. 
fits New Japan more so than that of AEW to me. Well, I just it, 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 no, sorry, go ahead. Because um, because like for because like when I sit back and I look at what Matt Cardona is doing, because Matt Cardona is killing the independence right now. You know, period. And um, how much the independents are picking up. Unless he it, unless he's going to sign exclusively with New Japan, I see him doing New Japan and Impact. Because, yeah. because one, he's going to look at AEW and be like, I might get saturated in this. Even though he's that good of a wrestler. Well, you know, that- period. Yeah, they just, they're signing, and that's the problem, though. AEW is signing a lot of people, and it's like you're not doing enough with the people. Shane, that Shane Strickland coming to AEW, but I, I'm not worried about him because he's he going to be good. He, he'll he be TBS champ within about six months. Um, <laughs> and that's even TNT champ, excuse me. Uh, what do you call it? Uh, oh, uh, uh, bu- 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 I could see him in a nice feud with uh, Cordona for the NWA title. Uh mm-hmm. The Ring of Honor coming when they come, if if and when they come back, what they are gonna do, uh, you know that he be again. How this guy has not been a world champion yet is beyond me. Well, see the thing, I now and that was the other thing I was saying. Depending upon Ring of Honor, but see, it's also depending upon how much they can pay this dude. So that's the other kicker because when I'm thinking about money wise, New Japan. Got the money, and yeah. of course AEW got the money. So and impact, yeah, could shit. Yeah, they got a TV station. They have nothing to worry about. So it's kind of like I see him with, like I said, I see New Japan, maybe Impact, but just some tell me he's not going to show up at AEW because, but Buddy Murphy or Matthews now, I wasn't surprised that he showed up at AEW. You know, because of Malachi Black, and which I'm really loving that click right now. It's, (laughs) I just, I just wish there's one more person that need to just go ahead and say fuck it and give me Marty Scroll, the villain, for that fourth. And and, they're not gonna. He's wrestling in Puerto Rico right now. He's kind of been banished because of um. Yeah, the the, the, the sexual the, the allegations. So he's still yeah. he's still persona was, that Bronx, that, that's why was, he, he was dating a sixteen year old. Yeah, it's, over there where he was at, but you know what it is. And but here's the thing: I think it's a good fit, Buddy Murphy, and I think he was a talent that you know people don't look at him as a big surprise. Like I wasn't, <clears throat> I wasn't like, oh my god, it's Buddy Murphy. I was like. Okay, good. He can actually be good in this little three-person group, and he fits the bill. And maybe now he'll get a chance to shine. But you know, they, they, they the AEW will present everybody like it's a huge deal, and no insult to Buddy Murphy because I like him and I want to see him become a big star. But it's like, okay, you signed Buddy Murphy, and you know, when you when you when you pull, when yeah. you, when you're pulling out like you know Keith Lee and CM Punk and Dana Bryanson and and you know um, who knows like I said the Briscoes might pull out of the I mean you know you can not everybody can be a big deal doesn't mean they're not a, I mean doesn't mean they're not going to be a great addition to your roster and be a guy mm-hmm. that could really but it's like not every dude is like oh my god it's like oh it's Buddy Murphy you know it's 
And, and again, also it's a 50-50 of whether or not they're going to handle them well. Uh, you know, because again, they do make, they still do make booking mistakes. You know, Ruby Soho, he, oh, big Ruby Soho. And then, oh, <laughs> went from Ruby Soho to Ruby, oh, no. Like, <laughs> yeah, so, and I also saw that, uh, I can't wait to see this. Karen, Karen Cross, aka Killer Cross, now will make his, his first appearance on the Indies at MLW. I'm definitely going to check that out when that drops on YouTube, um, for certain. Um, and I don't know what else, uh, really to talk about with WWE other than when because really wasn't nothing in my opinion too eventful. I mean, other than what, of course, uh, they're building the Charlotte and the and the Ronda Rouse. We all know how that's gonna go. So, to me, the only important things is we only talk about the important things we really just give a shit about. So, who cares? But, <laughs> but shoot, but, um. Now you know what time it is. It is time for an old to the old school. Yes. So and, and this is what the last week of Black History Month. Yes. And uh, who, who who are we highlighting today? Who are we talking about? Well, um, after I kind of got spoiled with Jim Mitchell because there was a well, very well written book by John Cosper, and I had like you know this amazing resource. And and he also kind of put in the other bunch of facts. Uh, unfortunately, the there's two problems with Black history in pro wrestling in that it is much greater and vast than people get that it gets credit for. So we couldn't include everybody. We would have to do a show every day. But also that it's all scattered to the wind, and a lot of it is misinformation. And yeah. uh, and it, and like I said, this week was a busy week. And I would look up, I'll be doing some research and then it it would be like, wait, I know for a fact that's wrong. And then I would have to dig and, you know, it's, so I've managed to uh, piece together some profiles on, and we're going to cover black female wrestlers because, you know, they were, uh, you know, a huge part of it as well. And they broke, you know, the same battles with, you know, racial divide and also being women in an industry where it was just brutal to be a woman in general and then it's like oh let me add being black on top of that um and uh but as we were uh you know we were uh you know uh doing the research i wanted to really do uh a thing on uh uh sweet georgia brown the first uh black female wrestler to come out of south carolina and uh, the first black female wrestler to win a singles title, uh, you know, who made her debut in 1956. And she was trained by the fabulous Moolah. Uh, those of you, if that name sounds familiar, it's because they did uh, a dark side of the ring on Moolah and, and they touched on uh, Sweet Georgia Brown. And you would talk to her family. Yeah. And, and the thing is, uh, I don't want to. F- you know, they talk more about like, you know, the, the, the culture and what she had to deal with outside the ring, which was tragic and not great. But she did, uh, you know, she was a very popular wrestler and she did manage to achieve, you know, a certain amount of ring success. And like I said, she was the first in uh, what you call it uh, in October 1963, she beat uh, Nell Stewart for the NWA Texas women's title, becoming the first black female wrestler to win a singles title. 
And uh, again, since history was so, or wrestling history, uh, the reason why these books that I buy or that are being written are so important is that a lot of this stuff is scattered to the wind and it's misinformation because wrestling was so tight in such a close-knit underground society that technically it was easier to get into the mob than it was to get into wrestling. Um, I was in my research... Uh, able to, uh, I found the first uh, black world, uh, female world champion, and ironically, not ironically, now, but, now, but now, now hold it before you go there, so people can understand this. For Brown Sugar to be the Texas women's champion, first of all, this is Texas. Yeah, this you go is, to a foreign country and win the title there. Yeah, <laughs> this is where they lynch motherfuckers. That's her color. And she won a title. Yes, that yes. showed you how much wrestling transcended race, prejudice in many ways. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Let's speak. So 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 continue, sir. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt. No, no, it's fine. I'm I again I apologize to the audience in that I when we agreed to do a profile on black history, I was super excited. And and you know again, there's a lot of misinformation and 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 um, what do you call it? Uh, uh, alternative history and uh, revisionist history and, and and stuff is scattered and you'll find different sources, uh, basically, and they're repeating the same thing. And so I uh, am not, you know again, I I'm I'm sharpening my researching skills and I need to find better sources to you know as we go forward on on and cover different things with the old school but i found an interesting thing that the first official black female world heavyweight champion was uh not only black but she was also a member of the lbgt community and her name was sandy parker and sandy parker uh uh you know she uh was born in vancouver british columbia and she was a wrestling fan from an early age. And, uh, you know, she she worked with uh, Ed Farhat, a.k.a. The Sheik, the famous Sheik for New York Big Time Wrestling. And, you know, let's see, she trained with the Fabulous Moolah, which has most women for a period after Mildred Burke and her husband had a falling out. Uh, Mula that left a space that left a, a vacuum, and Mula stepped in with her uh, boyfriend um, uh, Wolf, who I'm, I'm blanking on his first name right now, and they kind of took over women's wrestling. So if you were going to be a female wrestler, uh, you know, uh, after the Mildred Burke era, you had to deal with or be trained by the fabulous Mula, which is you know how she was able to stay champion for so long and also wield all this power. Yeah. Now, 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 so to give people a little broad spoke, how much did Moolah control? Because a lot of people talked about how Moolah basically, she, she dominated women's wrestling as far as a booker is concerned outside the wrestling. Uh, she controlled, she was very controlling. She, she controlled, uh, you know, she had the year of like Vince McMahon Sr., and all the other promoters, uh, between her and her husband, both they they trained. They, you know, she had that compound, but he would stay with her. 
they would give her a percentage. You know, you paid to train, you paid to live there, and then you would give them a percentage of the money. And, and a lot of times, I believe, she would get their money and then pass it on to them, quote unquote, their money. Uh, and she controlled a lot. She had a lot of power. So, you know, you know, if you went against Moolah, if you wanted to work, you had to deal with Moolah. And, you know, it was it was really for a period in this time in this country, either uh, either she trained you or you had to kind of do things her way or, you know, some of your money had to find it, find its way into her hand in order to get book. And, and female wrestling, much like League of Their Own was a famous story. It, it kind of got its beginnings in World War Two because all the boys were gone. And some wrestlers were either, you know, aged out or, or they got a medical deferment. So there were some wrestlers, but most of the wrestlers went to war like everybody else in World War II. Thus, midget wrestlers became very popular and f- female wrestling became very popular. And then, of course, like all things, the men came back. So therefore, thank you for saving our business. Goodbye. And it became, you know, they were usually traveling attractions uh, uh, and they weren't there. They couldn't stay in the, uh, the, sorry, again, I am exhausted. They couldn't <laughs> stay in a territory for an extended period of time. So much like an Andre the Giant or Midgets, they were like a special attraction for big cards or they'd be in for a few weeks and they move on to the next town. So there weren't that many spots. It wasn't taken that seriously, uh, even though some of the, a lot of these girls were like badasses and, you know, toughest of men. And, of course, you know, you're dealing with sexual harassment, especially in the 50s. You know, things were way, way different back then. Um, and a lot of these girls, you know, were kind of, you know, pushed, you know, by Moolah. Like, oh, this, you know, this guy's, you know, he's a really big promoter. Or this guy's a friend of the promoter and he has a lot of money. Like, why don't you go be nice to him? That kind of thing. And, um you know, that kind of thing skeeved me out. But, you know, back then it, it was... You know, the mediocrity of white men was strong. So like a pretty girl, you know, would be kind of sent to go hang out with some schlub she never met. And you had to do it and do whatever you wanted and make him happy. Otherwise, you go back to an angry moolah and who knows, you would get fired. You would get blackballed. Um, you wouldn't be able to wrestle anymore. And she tried to do that. And actually, moolah trained. Sandy Parker and Sandy Parker was a very strong willed woman and a lesbian and wasn't having it and they butted heads with moolah and she actually wound up leaving moolah's camp and going with her rival mildred burke and had mildred burke handle her bookings for her um and you know uh sandy parker was able to thrive when she left moolah because moolah had such an iron grip on women's wrestling in north america that uh burke sent her overseas to japan um Oh, sorry. Billy Wolf is, uh, you know, who was who was Mula's uh, who was Mula's husband, and uh, you know, she essentially went overseas and joined All Japan's Women's Wrestling, and uh, she formed a formidable tag team with Betty Nicoloa Nikolai. Sorry, N I C O L I. Uh, winning the WWWA World Tag Team titles four times together. <laughs> then not, not the W, that's an extra W there. So it's, it's not the WWA, it's the WWWA. <laughs> Three W's. Yes, and they won it together. She held the tag titles eight times during her stay in Japan. 
but her crowning moment came on May 15, 1973, when she ended... Uh, fucking hell. God damn it. It's, it sucks trying to respect people's culture sometimes. Because <laughs> I got to pronounce his name. Miko Fushino. Fushano, Fushono. Uh, I apologize for butchering that name. Uh, <laughs> in, in May 15th, 19, uh, Husano's, uh, and I, and if, you know, if somebody wants to comment the proper pronunciation, by all means, um, it's May 15th, 1973. She ended her reign of 293 days as the WWWA world champion to become world champion herself, mar- marking the first black and lesbian, uh, fe- singles females world champion, uh, you know, women's title in, in all Japan, uh, which was at the time the pretty much the only, I would imagine, and premier, uh, women's wrestling, uh, company and, and, and all Japan women was a separate company from all Japan. And that's, I mean, a lot of what the female wrestling you're seeing today was born there. I mean, to watch old female or I'm not only sorry again, Jesus, you're an idiot. Watching all Japan women wrestling uh, to see some of those old matches. I mean, they were they were putting on better matches not only than the women in America, but they were putting on better matches than most of the men in the U.S. Uh, I actually would like to. I got to see what kind of uh, stuff is out there about all Japan women's wrestling, uh, all pro Japan women's wrestling, because uh, it was an amazing organization. Um, but you know, it was a you know it was a home to like the Crush Gals, uh, Linus Asaka, uh, Bull Nakano, Aja Kong, uh, Miami, Miami Toyota were some of the huge names from all Japan's women's wrestling. Uh, eventually, Sandy returned to the U.S. in the late '80s uh, and basically just became disinterested in wrestling. Uh, she broke new ground when she became the world champion. Uh, and she basically, uh, retired. She was inducted into the Cauliflower Alley Club organization, uh, in 2004. Uh, and trying to see here. Um, and yeah, so that was kind of, uh, the end of her career, she, you know, kind of was a uh, strong-willed black lesbian, would not put up with, with Billy Wolf and Moolah's abuse, went to Mildred Burke, and Mildred Burke, even though kind of lost her grip on the female wrestling, uh, you know, as far as being able to book, helped her get booked in Japan, where she, you know, I would imagine, I'm going to look up some videos and put it on the, see if I can't find some footage and put it up on the Twitter. But she, you know, the worker in Japan, it was always fast and in a break in a step above and to become a tag team champion, a world tag team champion and a singles world heavyweight champion. You know, that is an, especially in Japan, you're talking about Texas. She's a black lesbian in Japan and she's a beautiful woman and she is rocking an awesome i love a beautiful black woman with an afro like they're really beautiful <laughs> so there's just something there's nothing more gorgeous than a, like a beautiful like a, like a black woman with that perfect you know afro to like natural afro and you know i we may have to i kind of just discovered her today because i was trying to piece together 
try to get the facts straight because like I said, there was some other famous black wrestlers and they and I kind of think people kind of do that thing and I believe, I'm going to say they were probably white writers. Mm. Sometimes black people all look alike so they were technically they're supposed to be talking about Georgia Brown but they're talking about you know like uh, so you know, Sandy. Her, her career they, so really if you want to be honest because they it, she had a lot she had a lot past Moolah. Because the only thing that they, they, they talked about was her with Moolah. They never really talked about past Moolah. You get what I'm saying? When, yeah, when yeah. Meldrick Burke, what have you. I mean, um, and everything. So that that's interesting to know that she went to Japan and, and, and she was doing... Yeah, see, people don't realize that black wrestlers, they were getting over overseas. They was getting over in Japan. They was getting over in Europe. You know, period. It it because even they couldn't get over here, they, they got over overseas. Yeah, and and they were accepted over there. As a matter of fact, I am going over my uh notes uh real quick from the Mitch you know, the Jim Mitchell, uh so I can look up uh, the name of his old tag team partner. Um, oh, come on, where are you? Because uh, he, when he finished his tag team with uh, with Jim Mitchell, he went Waldo. Uh, oh God damn it! I I swear by all, whatever God people worship, that I I'm I'm gonna get much smoother at this uh, uh, <laughs> it well, don't matter. I just have it written down in my shorthand I have it written down in my shorthand uh, Waldo uh, I feel like such an idiot that I can't blank on his first name but he went to Australia he became a star and he went to Japan and wound up staying there for like six years uh, and then went to uh, became actually again they crowned the first black world tag team champion so Japan technically crowned the first black male tag team champions and they crowned the first women's black tag team champion and they crowned the first black singles world heavyweight champion and again japan a country also that's been known for its uh racism but also he waldo was successful in australia and then also in britain and then down into calgary uh and that was the thing the you know we were talking about uh we were talking about uh, Thunderbolt Patterson, yeah. and Thunderbolt Patterson is, I was just kind of listening to something about him, it was not really a nice guy, not well-liked, and essentially would be difficult to do business with, and then if he didn't get his way, he would sue, so they would give him a pity spot to kind of shut him up. They never put a major title on him because they knew they would not be able to get it off of him. And then you have wrestlers like Jim Mitchell, Waldo, Art Sailor Thomas, Ernie Ladd, Bobo Brazil, uh, Sandy Parker, that kind of, you know, traveled the world and they, you know, kind of kept an eye on their money and, uh, you know, just were, you know, were kind of like, yeah, let's go team and could not. And basically, and I, I don't mean to be disrespectful by saying this because I mean this, you know, they embody that black spirit that people have that basically, in my opinion, is the soul of this country. And it's one of the only few redeeming things about this country in that in the face of great injustice and tragedy and hardship, the like it radiates 
positivity and love and they came in and were a positive force in every locker room and they through their work and through their gimmick and through their just you know their their basic just their soul were able to win people over and break down the barrier which is why it's so important because you know to be honest with you this country would not exist if it were not for black people for so many different reasons majority of our culture comes from black people and again the only real redeeming thing especially when you have american people and american politicians praising russia for invading another country it's like if you if they actually got your wish and sent all the black people to a different country and we had no black people left in this country this place i think literally which starts to decay like something out of a horror movie. Like I really do think it would just start to like all the plants would die. I think buildings would start to crumble. I think, you know, like cats and dogs living together, mass hysteria, like the only one redeeming quality this country has is the spirit of black people and what they, what they put in because they get so little back, but they're always putting so much in, you know, uh, Here's a little fact. The high five was invented by a gay black baseball player. It's a little thing. It's just a little things, people. The history. And and yeah. And um, there is uh, Ethel. uh, Again, everything is so all over the place. Um, Ethel Johnson was another famous uh, wrestling name um, who made her debut in 1952. She, uh, again, was trained by Moolah uh, and you know, she received top billing alongside a gorgeous George drawing 9,000 fans to the municipal auditorium in Kansas city, Missouri. Uh, she toured Latin America. Uh, she uh, was an amazing athletic uh, ath- 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 ugh, God, I'm so tired. Amazing athlete. Uh, she actually um, basically became the first female wrestler to perform a standing drop kick. And one of her most famous moves was a version of uh, flying head scissors. Uh, during her time in wrestling, she she faced such popular wrestlers at the time, such as June Byers and Penny Banner, and even challenging Mildred Burke for the NWA World's Women's Championship. Eventually, caught through Hart's eye and began working for him and uh, for his promotion, Big Time Wrestling, as well as Capital uh, Wrestling Corporation, in which later years. Uh, became uh, Capital Wrestling became the WWWF, and she also uh, worked for the AWA, and uh, yeah, what do you And she had two sisters that also became uh, wrestlers, and sometimes they would often wrestle each other. Mm-hmm. Um, Which is because you don't get to hear about. We hear about the black men wrestlers. We don't get to hear about the black women wrestlers as much. Yeah. Because even with, with you saying that, it's like, damn, wait a second. I didn't even realize. <laughs> and I was watching AWA at some of well, these points. And, it, I, and here's the thing. I have all the – I just bought a bunch of – I was so impressed with John Cosper's book that I bought – oh, he, he wrote a book on Wahoo McDaniel. We're going to we're gonna have to have a, a meeting uh, tomorrow or Tuesday or maybe Wednesday, whenever you have the time, and discuss – doing this bonus episode about the old school, but like, yeah. um, uh, you know, I got a book on Wahoo Daniel. I got a book on, uh, Elvira Snodgrass, who is a big famous female wrestler. I have the biography of Mildred Burke, which I need to finish. But the thing is, there's so much wrestling history that even though 
I'm getting these books and trying to, you know, get through all the history and do the research. Um, when it comes to different ethnicities, I never heard of Sandy Parker until today. Ethel, Ethel Johnson. I found out about her a couple of days ago. And again, the information is kind of fragmented. And these years weren't like, well, here's a black girl in some wrestling boots and she's going to come out there and do a little dance. Like these women were like getting it, you know? And again, it's extraordinary in the seventies for a black lesbian to go to, to, to defy the most powerful woman in North American wrestling and then go to Japan, a totally different culture. And back then Japan was very closed off. It was a very, you know, kind of sealed off. So it's not as open as it is now. And to excel to the level that she earned the respect of the Japanese people and the wrestlers, because Japanese wrestlers are famous for testing you when you, for, for testing Gaijin when they come there. So you have to like, literally beat the shit out of them back otherwise you're done and as a black woman as a lesbian she went there and not only was accepted not only achieved things that other like you know like winning world titles uh multiple world titles she became a star and be and, and like you know and and kind of transcended just like oh here she is she's having a match she became a star and, in, in, you know, it, it was such a fish out of water and managed to, be, be, you know, become beloved. And um, we will probably, I am most definitely uh, going to probably touch back on black female wrestlers and other black wrestlers again. When I initially was like, oh, we should do this. I did not realize that, you know, it, it's, it's crazy that nobody's written the book about Sandy Parker, but there's also... Ernie Ladd or Bobo Brazil, you know, but I didn't realize the history was so fragmented that um, in order to do proper justice to these amazing women and men, I have to go back and really comb through and, and write down and make a comprehensive timeline of these people's career and what they did. And it's going to take time because it's, just kind of all over the place and you're walking uphill against revisionist history, just stuff that people didn't know. And, um, and I guess in closing, you know, we covered, you know, the first wrestler started out as a slave and he managed to gain acceptance uh, from white people in the Northeast and become a star, which, you know, and then Jim Mitchell, who, who basically was, like the John Cena of his day, just a money-making, top-drawing uh, babyface across the country and the world. And then when the invention of TV, there was Bobo Brazil and Ernie Ladd being the first villain and the first Black Booker, Sandy Parker, not only you know going forward as a, as a woman and a Black woman, but a lesbian. These people helped... Uh, 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 bring integration into sporting events and they don't really get credit for that because they drew money. They weren't, it wasn't like, Oh, let's be nice to the black people. They drew money. They drew fans and the promoters were turning away black fans and, and also white fans love them and they were bringing in the pack houses. So it was like, you know, everything is about money. So they allow people to sit together because full houses mean, big paydays and it basically wasn't you know it, it, they they were so good 
and so charismatic and so talented at what they were doing, they were able to push back on, you know, like, well, he doesn't matter that he's black. It doesn't matter that she's a woman, you know, like it's, they're just bringing in money and thus opening doors. And a lot of these wrestlers, uh, you know, basically went up against such hypocrisy and such double standard and managed to open the door and, and widen the, the game for people like Bobo, for people like Ron Simmons and Bobby Lashley and Tony Atlas and, and so on. They were able to do that and in the face of it still be so positive and, 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 and you know, so happy and so good to their communities. And actually not every story is this tragic, oh, no, they – you know, they wound up on Skid Row turning tricks for heroin and that was just the guys, you know, it was, it was, they, you know, again, managed to, you know, bring this, you know, knock down barriers and bring forward a standard and basically do what black people have done since the beginning of this country, which is to walk face first into unfair circumstances and hypocrisy and, 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 um, and just, and and yeah, and just and but like knock it down while maintaining their dignity and actually making for every step forward they take, what they leave behind them is better. And they all did their part to make wrestling popular, to make wrestling money, to open the door for other black wrestlers and other ethnicities, and they left it all better than when they found it. And I, you know. Like I said, in my opinion, Black History Month is important to me, as it obviously is to you. But I mean, for me, it's because when you think about the history of this country, the one saving grace, the one thing you can always point to is that the Black people in this country have done more for freedom and more to make this country a country and added more to the culture and just science and everything and get so little thanks and constantly get you know try to push back down and just injustice at every turn but still walk with pride and love in their heart and put it out there it's like we're not here to rape your women and to take your stuff we're just here to be and if you want to come with us by all means please we'd love to have you it's it's, <laughs> it's important to me because it's the one shining thing because the last couple of years in this country i'm sorry i'm not trying to be political but this kind of like it I'm if somebody if I go overseas in the next couple of years, I'm going to tell people I'm from Papua New Guinea. I'm an albino <laughs> from Papua New Guinea. I'm, I have I have aglomaki. I'm an aglomaic uh, albino from Papua New Guinea. So you know I'm not American. Um, but no, that's basically my thing. You know, uh, and we close on our series of Black History and wrestling. Yeah, and we are going to do more. We're going to revisit some of these people and oh, give yeah. them a proper profile. Uh, we're still trying to find our legs with this podcast, but it's it's just interesting that whether it's music, uh, mainstream sports, pro wrestling, theater with like people like Alvin Ailey, they, in the face of injustice and intolerance, just literally embody the human spirit of you can't beat us and we're going to just go forward and we're going to overcome. And then when we are gone, whatever we did, it's better because we were here, you know, and, and we didn't give in. And that's what all these wrestlers should be. They, they were draws. They were, they were talents. They were entertaining and they were amazing human beings. 
that brought that that life and that that amazing aura and spirit into pro wrestling and made it a better sport. Yes. See, people, we give you something to think about. We give you something to smoke over. You get me, people? So with that being said, there's another episode in the books, and we'll be back with some more stuff. Of course, me and him going to chop it up and see what else we're going to give you all with old to the old school. And thank you for joining us on Pilgrim on Wrestling. So how we always end this all the time, every day, all day, no matter what episode it is, because it's part of the Smoke This Over podverse. Life is a learning experience. What's the point of the experience if you didn't learn anything? And thank you once again, Kavanaugh. And thank you, guys. Appreciate you. And we will see you all next week. Yeah. yeah. So go run the ropes. Go do something. Hey, how you doing? Let me tell you about a great deal. Why don't you come on over to the premium smoke room? There ain't no smoke like premium smoke. I'm talking about four premium podcasts. I'm talking about Miss Big Queen and the Porn Rap Star. I'm talking about Pilgrim on Wrestling. I'm talking about Causing Havoc with Princess Havoc, as well as the Read Daily Report. Oh, I'm sorry. Five. STO Dark. Plus, also, extra premium episodes for some of the hottest ladies and gents in the business of porn. And all this for $4.99 a month. I'm talking about five to six extra episodes a week on top of the free shit that you get. So, do the math. Great deal. Only on Spotify, only on Anchor. Come check me out. Come catch this premium smoke.